3: This is Tony Hernandez, and you're listening to the Immigrant Archive Project podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into my decades-old archive to bring you the voices behind some of our most fascinating conversations. In this episode, you'll meet Nadine Velasquez, an actress and model who many of us first got to know as Catalina Aruca on the hit TV show, My Name is Earl. Since then, she's appeared in a number of successful shows like FX is the League, and most recently on ABC's Queens. We recorded this interview back in June of 2012, just months before the release of Flight, a film in which she played Denzel Washington's love interest. Unlike most celebrities, Nadine arrived for this interview with little to no makeup, a pair of oversized hoop earrings, a white t-shirt and jeans. There were no handlers or publicists in tow. In fact, her only companion at the time was a little dog named Kiki, who managed to interrupt the conversation multiple times and much the delight of our dog-friendly crew. Throughout the interview, Nadine credits much of her success with being connected and feeling genuinely comfortable with her Puerto Rican identity. Getting there, however, wasn't always easy. You see, her mother was a strict and deeply religious woman who didn't allow music in their Chicago home and insisted they live far from their Puerto Rican relatives in Humboldt Park. I began our conversation by asking her to describe her rather non-traditional childhood.
4: In Chicago, there's a community called Humboldt Park, which many are familiar with. It's like a really big Puerto Rican community. All of my family lived there except us. My mother had us living near the Polish and the Italians, not near the Latinos. You can guess probably why, but. um on Saturdays and Sundays, we would go into Humboldt Park where my grandmother lived and, and then I would have my typical Latino uh, cultural experience. But when I was at home, I didn't necessarily have that. So growing up in Chicago, I felt isolated from my culture. Even though I was really intrigued by it, I felt like I was missing a part of it because it was something that I only had on occasion. Even though my parents can't escape the fact that they're Puerto Rican, so of course we have it, but your typical, typical story of family and culture and salsa music and all that, I didn't have it. I didn't know who Tito Puente was until I was 18. Wow. Yeah, so my story is Puerto Rican with a family who wanted the best for me and a mother who thought that being more Americanized was better and and also very Christian, so we didn't even listen very much to pop music or any kind of music or rock and roll. Like I was uh, pretty isolated culturally from a lot of things. And I grew up very religious and, and with absolutely no identity, <laughs> so, <laughs> which explains a lot. So how did you self-identify growing up? I've had to def- create that for myself. I, I didn't have, I didn't self-identify. I, I was confused. Huh. I was angry about it. Did you discover the Latino side at
3: at, at one point? Do you remember when that when that happened?
4: Um, <clears throat> see, I have a huge family. Have, it's it's a long, long story, but there are sixteen total on my mother's side of the family, and then there are ten total on my dad's side. I call my mother's side the completely dysfunctional side, the side they're all whack jobs, right? And then my dad's side is the same family side. So my dad always represented to me family while my mother represented me like just trying to figure it out and like dissociated, fragmented side of my family. Right. So obviously I'm projecting these two parents. One is solid and one is a whack job. And that's how I feel inside. Oh, look, I have a dog. Do you want me to put her away? It's okay.
3: It's okay if you're comfortable with it there.
4: So... My mother's side of the family, I didn't get, I would see them throughout the year, but when we were together, it never felt homey. Whereas with my grandmother, my father's mother and that side of the family, I always felt connected. So even though that family as well was heavily Christian and there wasn't salsa dancing or anything, there was food. You know, there was food and there were the typical jokes and the, and the family gatherings and Christmas and Thanksgiving and all of that. Um, but it was it was very guarded though it was very private and and I think Christianity growing up I, I don't know it was being Pentecostal like heavily Pentecostal and also evangelical there's there's this thing where you're not part of the world so I didn't really get a sense of what other Puerto Ricans were doing because my family was so isolated that we were all kind of doing the same thing that it wasn't until I started hanging out with friends from school and being in their family that I saw what was probably more typical and which was a lot more fun for me. But I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time there. So I spent a lot of time wishing that I was, you know, in another family or lived in Puerto Rico or knew, you know, myself better.
3: What were some of the cultural cues that opened that up for you? I imagine music might have been part of it.
4: So there was the Puerto Rican parade. That every year all the Puerto Ricans would go and wave their flags and right. And we, I didn't go to Puerto Rican parade, day parade until I was 19. And that was without my family. So that was one of the first events that piqued my interest because during the Puerto Rican parade week, there was a carnival and everything. And to go to church, we had to pass that park where they had all the activities. So I would like look out the car window and I would see the carnival and the stuffed animals and you know, the girls with the halter tops and the babies, you know, the babies in the strollers and and the food and, and and the music, I would hear the music. Like it was so exciting to look into that. And that's when I first started getting interested. Like it's a party, you know, Puerto Ricans are a walking party <laughs> and I, feel it. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm a walking party. So how do I get in that?
3: Yeah. And what was your first experience like at the parade? Do you remember?
4: My first experience was, uh, I started working, doing promotions for Miller, Miller company. So I was like the Miller girl. Mm -hmm. And so they had a lot of events so then I started going to them because I would promote, you know, the beer and a lot of the events were near Humble Park so one day the Miller girls got uh, got asked to be on a float on the parade so i got my hair blown out blown out my makeup done and i was on the float waving proudly for the first time so that was my first experience at the parade was on the float how oh, cool yeah
3: well i've 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 known a bunch of you know girls i could hire to do these beer events uh, over the years, I think you're the first that actually comes out to Hollywood and makes it.
4: Yeah, and then and then I got hired when I first came to Hollywood um, from the Beer World Promotions. There was this guy who uh, had like he was in charge of the national account. And he had a crush on me. So when I came to Hollywood and did like my first couple things, he was like, Miller's looking for a Latina to do their campaign nationally, and I was like. He was like, and I'm I'm gonna tell them about you. And I sent him all the little stuff that I had, and I got I got the account. I was like the Miller spokesperson now. I went from Miller promo girl to like having my cutout in all these all these liquor stores. I <sighs> had <I'd> made it.
3: <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So 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 I remember reading your first uh, role was as a McDonald's drive-through girl. Yes. Was that back in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Uh, How did that come about?
4: Well, there's a long story to that. Do you want to hear it? Sure.
3: (laughs) If you'd like to share. So. What I'm I'm really interested in. Yes. Beyond getting that first gig. Is, you know, the way you describe your family is very religious. Right. Very sort of, you know, sheltered life. Uh, How they took the news that this is what you wanted to do for a living.
4: So I'm going to tie this whole story all in. I'm ahead of the game. So. So I'm 13 years old and I'm like I know what I want to be. I'm going to be a gymnast. I'm going to be an Olympic gold medalist. And I would practice in my mind the mounts and the and and the splits and the backflips and the dance and the routine and everything. And then I would practice in my backyard. And then I would go to my mother and I'd say I want to be an Olympic gold medalist, get me into Olympic school or whatever that is. Let's find out. I know I know what I what I'm here to do. So, you know, metaphorically, I got the door slammed on me. Like, no way, no how, what is that? You know, that's crazy. So after my hopes and dreams were smashed, I decided, what's another thing that I could be really good at? And I was watching Punky Brewster at the time. She was like my icon. And I thought, I could be Punky Brewster. I am Punky Brewster. I should be an actress. So that's the first time I felt like this is what what, what I'm going to be. So I presented that to her and I kept bugging her and bugging her and bugging her about it. Like, can we find out how I can be on TV? How can I do commercials? How can I do all of that? And she, you know, didn't have the internet back then. She had no context. She had no idea. I mean, acting school, who would have thought of that? Like, I didn't know that. So one day we're at a birthday party and this little girl walks in, this little Latina girl walks in. And I look at her and she's the girl from this Apple commercial remember Apple back then what came for a short while and then disappeared? She was doing these commercials and she had pigtails and just like the commercial. And I'm like, you're the girl who gives the teacher the apple and the, 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 the and that commercial. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, having her explain to me everything. And she explains that it was a warehouse converted into a schoolroom, And I'm like, fascinated. And I'm like, mom, talk to her mom and find out how you can get me into commercials. Well, we find out and there's this agent that she was going to, and I remembered everything. And I bugged my mom to take me to this agency, to take me to this agency. Well, I took the bus to this agency, and I walked myself in. And I was like, I want to be an actress. And what can I do? Where do I sign up? And she said, you know, you're gonna have to come back with your mom. You're on your age and all that. So I go back to my mom. I'm like, I went to this, I went to that. She takes me to the, pl- to the place. Turns out she knows the woman. Myrna Salazar, who had the Salazar Novice Agency at the time, dated my mom's brother, way back when. So now there's a little bit of bad blood because I told you my mom's side of the family is a whack job. So there's a little bit of like, oh, esta estaba con este, and that was scandalous, and blah blah blah. So at the time I had these big blonde brassy highlights because my mom would let me dye my hair. That's the one thing she did let me do. She'd let me put on makeup. She'd let me pluck the hell out of my eyebrows. She'd let me put on dark lipstick and 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 color my hair. So so Myrna's looking at me and she's like, you know what? You're a really pretty girl, but your hair, like, she's like, it's all different colors and you don't look your age. And I don't know if you guys know Amy Garcia. She's pretty popular. She's a working actress. She's very known. She's been on a gazillion shows. Amy Garcia was at the agency and she's my age and Myrna pulls out Amy Garcia's picture she's like Amy Garcia she's trained actress she's phenomenal she's 13 years old and she looks 13 Nadine you have to look 13 for me to represent you you have to go back to your natural hair right so I'm like looking at my mom like this is the best news in the world go let's go back to my natural hair I could be like Amy Garcia I could be doing commercials so blah 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 we leave my mom says, ah, esa no te gustó. She didn't like you. And I'm like, what makes you think she doesn't like me? She just told me to... Do- no, because she wants you to dye your hair, because she wants you to change and all this. And I'm not going to have time to be driving you to these auditions. I get migraines and, and this is too much work. And no, esto, this is not going to happen. So dream number two squashed. And... Uh, well, the rest of the story is that I acted in school plays and all that, but all the while I felt like I need to be an actress at some point in my life. And as I got older, the dream started to die a little. And I thought, well, you know what, let me just go to school for something, some degree that I'll have make a living out of, you know, like something that's kind of entertaining. And I was thinking advertising, marketing, and I ran away at 16. Guess why? But now I'm 18 years old and I'm in college and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with myself. And I go in to get, you know, bachelor's degree somehow. And I need a job. And my and I was dating this this guy at the time, and he said, you know, there's this woman. She's hiring uh, an assistant. She she's a talent agent and she needs an assistant. And I thought, oh okay, a talent agency. Should, yeah, I need a job. And I go and it's Salazar and now this is Myrna and she totally remembered me and we rehashed it and she hired me right away. And I call her my real, my Puerto Rican mother because she taught me about being Latina and she would play the music and she taught me about Tito Puente and she taught, showed, you know, taught me about Bochinche, but like how to make it sound really dramatic and juicy. And, um, and she was always encouraging. She was like, you are an actress. You're a, you're a Hollywood actress. And I was like, that, I'm old now, like I'm not an actress. She was like, Nadine, you are not old. I had dreams of being an actress and I became an agent. You're not gonna become an agent because at that time I thought I was gonna become an agent now. And she's like, no, you're going to Hollywood. And I was like, I have no idea I'm gonna get there. And that's how it happened.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or Mc Crispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
2: And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: So
3: you knew what you wanted to do at 13. Yep. You got sidetracked for years.
2: Mhm. Oh.
3: and how did you finally get the courage to say that's it I'm packing up and I'm going to Hollywood that's a huge step
4: it is a huge step I didn't make it I mean September 11th pushed me to do it like really the universe told me it's time to go and I I, I would sit there and go I don't know how I'm going to get to Los Angeles I would never just pick up and leave like to some crazy town you know what I mean like I didn't I wasn't thinking about that what I was thinking about was edu- being educated so I thought well if I'm going to be an actress you know there's theater in Chicago and there's theater in New York and I thought well I could go to school in New York but I wasn't thinking go make a like I wasn't thinking career yet I was just thinking school education and and I just I wasn't ever thinking Los Angeles ever in a gazillion gazillion years until I met my husband ex-husband who happened to be from Los Angeles and we happened to fall in love the weekend before September 11th and after September 11th who wanted to fly and here I am in love and he's like you're an actress I love you we don't want to fly move to Los Angeles live with me and I'm like yes so I came and that's how I ended up in Los Angeles so yeah I didn't have to think about how it was already thought up for me
3: the stars have aligned for you over the years, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was what was it like coming here to L.A. trying to find work, being a
4: Puerto Rican girl out of Chicago? Yeah. Well, that's I don't feel like I have the typical actress story either. I feel very I feel very charmed in my life. Like there was a point where I think after I met him is where I felt like just the angels were like around me. Because I feel like I had a really difficult upbringing and I had some really horrible things happen to me as a child and as a teenager that were very dark, dark, dark times in my life. And when I met my husband, ex-husband, that started to lift. And every year it gets better and better, you know. And I feel like I never had to struggle, you know. Some people come here and they struggle and they don't know what's next and they fight. I never had, to, I felt like I had to fight. I just felt like I was moving through another experience and I never felt like I needed to scratch someone's eyeballs or pull someone's hair for a part. Like if it was for me, it's for me. And if it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't going to die over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've always felt that I still feel that way. So things that just doors just would open, you know? And yeah, there were times where I would struggle over it because I was bored out of my mind and, you know, I would have, I like being creative and busy and you know, I remember praying and and telling my husband at the time, I'm like, I don't need to be an actress at this point. You know what I mean? What I want to be is fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Like I just want to have purpose and meaning and, and and feel like I wake up and I have something to do and I have a purpose in my life. Like, and if it right now, that looks like acting because that's working, but it's not every day. And I feel miserable. Like I I experienced that, but I never experienced like, Oh, I'm not going to eat you know, and I better get that job or... No. I had a husband who took care of everything. I had a house, you know, there was nothing that I needed to worry about. All I needed to do was study and show up, do a good job and go home.
3: No sleeping in the back of a 1978 Pinto? Nope. Nice, nice. Do you remember your first like, what the fuck moment? I can't believe this is actually happening yeah. here, in, here in Hollywood, tell me about it.
4: That's when I booked My Name is Earl. That was my, what the hell, this just happened? Oh my God, I'm on a network, I'm on network TV. Did, did that just happen to me? I'm on prime time. What? Me? <laughs> um, that, and that happened when I went to the la- my final audition because I found out that I got the part at the studio. So, so I get this audition. So I quit acting. Long story short, I quit acting. I'm living with my husband. We have a home. Everything's going well. I start getting bananas, like I told you. You know, I need purpose. I need reason. I need I need I need to figure out maybe I should go become an interior designer. You know, I could design people's homes. Um, he's like, just wait, just wait, you know, so just keep doing the act. No, I don't want to do the act. The acting makes me miserable. I'm always reading scripts. You know, I don't go out with my friends. I'm always angry, you know, cause I'm always reading and then going to running to an audition. I'm like, I don't like this life. This is horrible. I like when I work, but I don't like the, the process. So I quit acting. I call up all my agents. My it's causing me to become a real bitch to my husband. He's a nice guy he tells me you you're going to have to shape up your attitude, you know, I'm not going to take it forever. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking around at my life and I'm like, I have everything. Why am I always so on edge, you know? So I'm like, I and at the time I was meditating a lot and during the day just trying to center myself and find it and one day like I I heard something and it was like let it go. Forget it. And I was okay with it. I was peaceful with it. And I thought, this is the best day of my life. I've just let go of acting and I could be normal now. Like I can enjoy my husband. I can enjoy this life, my friends. Like, why didn't I think of this before, you know? And I call my agents and I'm like, I'm done. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I I just don't feel like it. Like, I don't feel like going on anymore and I'm okay with it. And I remember going out to lunch with my friends and they were like, oh, I want this part. And I was laughing. I was like so thrilled that I wasn't attached to that anymore. And four months go by. And now we're into pilot season. What's pilot season? And so it's like November, December. And he goes, the agent calls me. And he's like, "Are are you done with your hiatus? And I'm like, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm like, I'm not really done with it. I don't know if I'm coming back. And he's like, well, wh- wh- will you go to this meeting? You don't have to read anything. You don't have to do anything. Just show up. Just meet the producers. And I'm like, all right, I'll go in, right? I don't have to do anything. Sure. What, what do I care? Well, of course, I fin- go to finish the, the meeting. I get the phone call that I got the job. It was just a movie. And I thought, okay, there's something to this. You know what I mean? I don't care. I show up. I get the job. I care. I don't get the job, so I'm like, sure, I'll shoot the movie. It's the month of December. It'll be fun. I got. I, I like when I work. Done. I'm not gonna think about it anymore. He calls me during. I do shoot the movie. Calls me during pilot season. He's like, would you like to go out for pilot season? And I'm like, well, well what, what is it exactly? He goes, well, Brett Ratner has this thing, uh, Prison Break, and all you have to do is, you know, he, you're gonna meet him. And I thought, oh, okay. So I show up to the thing and it's packed. Like there's actors everywhere, a sea of actors. And inside I'm so happy. I'm like, I don't care. Oh my God, I don't care. This is not my life. (laughs) It's not my livelihood. This is awesome. You know, (laughs) it's like a matrix moment and where I come Neo outside of it, right? So I go in and I'm sitting there laughing with everyone talking, I get the role. I mean, look at this. This is just so bizarre. I get the role, it's a recurring role and it's for the pilot to play on Marino Lasco's girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, great. I get to go to Chicago to shoot it, I get to be my family, it's no problem. Couple weeks later, I booked, my point is I booked four pilots that season. I booked a, a thing for Fox that was an experimental thing, pilot, just for fun, cause it was improv. I booked that recurring role. I booked another recurring role for comedy. And this is all on, I don't care. And then My Name is Earl came along as the only series regular part that came through. And I thought, he said, why don't you read it? I read it. I was laughing hysterically. I thought, this is great. And it was to play a Russian maid. And I thought, I'm just going to go do my Russian accent. (laughs) You know, the one that I have in my back pocket. And I go in and I didn't even, I don't, I wasn't even off book. I mean, I remember I was sitting there the casting director reading it like this and we were just having like, A fun time laughing and reading it and the next thing you know they were like come back tomorrow and I come back and now you're gonna meet Greg Garcia and and all the while I'm thinking not a chance until I was next thing you know is between me and a Russian person and I'm like (laughs) okay and then the last minute they're like can you make do a Latin accent and I'm like sure I have a lot of aunts I can pull from somewhere and did it. And, and I'm sitting and I brought my girlfriend to the casting. This is how nonchalant it was. I brought my girlfriend to the, to the casting. We were chit chatting before, chit chatted afterwards. The other girl left. Me and my girlfriend are still in the hallway sitting, blah, 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 blah. All the executives come out. Greg Garcia says from the end of the hallway, Nadine, see you on set. And I'm like, what? He's like, you're it. You're the girl. Everyone starts clapping, like I just scored a touchdown or something. And I'm looking and that was my most surreal mom- moment. And I said, aren't you guys supposed to call my agent? <laughs> and they're like, you got the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll be calling your agent. And then I caught, call- we skipped down the road. My girlfriend right. and I, we skipped down the parking lot singing, we're going to do it. You know, like Laverne <laughs> and Shirley. Literally like two little girls, literally skip, we're like, let's skip now. We start skipping in my car and I called my agent and I was like, so, um, I got the part and he's like, well, they're same thing. They're gonna, you know, they, the, the processes that they call, you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, I got it. I'm telling you, I got it. You know what I mean? I'm a series regular. <laughs> so I had to, um, let go of the recurring part. on um, prison break and they recast that character although I did get to shoot the pilot um and then the others nothing happened to them and obviously the series regular got first dibs on all the contracts so so that's my surreal moment and then also sh- that first year was surreal as well when we started going to the awards and then I actually had a publicist and they were actually telling me how to dress and the makeup artists showed up in my house and were doing my hair and like all this suddenly mattered you know it was like wow, fuck, like I gotta do something now, you know?
3: No more brassy highlights a la 13 year old.
4: Yeah, no, no,
3: <laughs>
4: no that's, that's when the pressure, that's when I went backwards actually. like, I didn't take that well. I actually, I actually went to a dark place after that because I felt pressured. I felt like, and I was the least experienced on the show and you have Jamie Press, who's like an amazing actress who ends up winning an Emmy for the, for her role. And Jason, who's a great, like all these great actors who've worked constantly. And here I come along and I felt like, Oh my God, these people, this is what they do. This is like their career, you know? And I better get serious about this. You know, this is just time to get serious. And like, I lost the fun for a long time. I lost the fun because I was monitoring myself and now i'm looking at myself on camera and i'm like i don't look like all the other girls you know now i'm on magazines and people are taking pictures i need to lose weight i need to do this and this and i started to do things like that and i started looking weird and people have commented on that you know they said when A- when adine started she was just so natural and 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 then and then what she do did she do this this no i started plucking my eyebrows i started botoxing i you know like And then it wasn't until the last year where I'm like, what am I doing? I I don't like this. And then I started going back to my natural self, you know.
3: Did you feel like you just didn't belong at first?
4: Yeah, I felt like I didn't belong at all. And I think that has to do with my history with growing up. Like it, it did feel like the Puerto Rican who doesn't know where she fits in again. Because these guys were so cultured and so worldly and I wasn't, you know, like I had that innocence about me. Um, they were talking, they would make these jokes that only white Americans make that they only, they understand. And I'm scratching my head and I'm like, who's Pink Floyd, you know, and (laughs) who's Led Zeppelin and what, what? And, and, and they would, they would, they would pop culture each other with quizzes. And I'm like, get me out of this circle. I won't be able to answer one thing. Who's Charlie Sheen? You know, like I had no idea. And. Their taste in music, I mean, their conversation alone was intimidating. And I didn't know what I had to offer. I, when I spoke, I felt like I was the alien. you know, like, what are you talking about, Nadine? like i didn't I didn't have enough life experience and I didn't have enough experience in the world to culturally to to, to be able to carry and engage. Sure. you know it's 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 common
3: in children that grow up in in immigrant households. You know, our, our, our reality uh, tends to be, in many cases, very different than the average American kid. Yeah. You know, and I throw out American kid because you're an American kid. You were born here in the States. Um, I, I, I remember just a brief aside. I was 17 years old and I got a job as a, as a waiter. And uh, at brunch, this woman orders uh, cinnamon toast. I'd never heard of cinnamon toast in my life. And I said, I'm sorry, we, we don't have that here. She goes. Do you have bread? I said yes. She goes. Do you have cinnamon? I said yes. I see where this is going now. Do you have a toaster? My God, like, uh, yes. Then you have fucking cinnamon toast. It's like wow. So that was like sort of your Led Zeppelin yeah, moment, you know? I've had yeah. Many moments like, like What the that? fuck? You know, we didn't talk about cinnamon toast. I grew up in a Cuban household. You know, we had cafe con leche. You know? Yeah, yeah.
4: And then how harsh it is back because it is that harsh back. Yeah. You know? Do you have this? Do you have this? It's like that's what it always feels like when you don't know their language.
3: When you're reminded that in that area you're an outsider, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Did you did you imagine that your life would change as much as it changed, landing that role?
4: Yes and no. Yes, in that I feel like I am very intuitive, and I've always had a consciousness that was bigger than my circumstances. So as a kid, even though I was going through all this, I felt like, and I'll reference the Matrix again, like Neo, who is looking at more as an observer and knows that it's inside, like there's something, he's, something's off, you know, like I don't belong in this world, but I need to figure it out. How do I get home, you know? And I felt like that in my own family. Like, I was like, okay, something doesn't make sense because inside I feel like, really big and like, I get it, like I get it all. But this doesn't make sense to me, you know? Like I remember we were shopping at like something that's equivalent to Marshall's or Ross, Dress for Less. Let's do Ross, Dress for Less. It was called It's like below Kmart, like crappy places where my mommy shopped for clothes and stuff. I hated those places. I hated them, I hated them, I hated them. I was five or six. And I was like, nope, this isn't me. This isn't me. I don't belong here. I know that I, one day I'm not going to shop here. I just know it. This is not me. Like, I was snooty about it. And even where we lived, I was like, this place is too small for me. Like, I just felt like I was. it was too small and I was too big. So did I know that my life was going to change? I always knew that I was going for a life-changing thing that wasn't what I grew up with. I always knew that I was going to have a life that was different than anything my family had ever experienced so but i just didn't know how that was going to happen and yeah so i guess that's the no part like i because i didn't know how i guess i don't know i couldn't have planned it same thing with like how i got to los angeles i couldn't have pl- i don't i don't know there's a part that's like i don't know if this is going to happen but then you but there's a part of you that knows that it is You know, like even still right now, like in my career, I feel like I'm bigger than this. You know what I mean? But it's not happening yet, but I feel like it's, but it's gonna, you know?
3: I get the sense it will. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Somewhere, like I know my life just isn't going to stay the way that it is now. Something will happen. Maybe it's not acting, maybe it's producing, maybe it's directing. Like, but a door will open and I will go to the next place. You know, I won't go backwards.
3: Have you been back to your old neighborhood? Yeah, my parents still live there. What's that like today, going back?
4: I don't usually go back to the house. I haven't been there in a year, but um, how is it going back? I don't like it. I don't like going back to my house. I usually like to see them at a restaurant or I like going back to my grandmother's, that area. She's no longer alive, but I like to be with that family Um, or I'll have them come here.
3: More comfortable that way.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Have you been to Puerto Rico?
4: Mm-hmm. What's that like? The first time I went to Puerto Rico, I was... My mom sent me with um, a neighbor who was going to Puerto Rico. hmm And uh, I went for two months.
3: So how did you feel going back to Puerto Rico? Did you feel... Did you feel Puerto Rican? Did you feel like an American visiting Puerto Rico?
4: I felt great. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, I felt like... I felt like, wow, I wish that I had this family that came here every summer, you know? Like, I I would have loved to have had that experience. So I I shot a movie there for a month, and I met friends, and we would go out, and people would stay till late, you know, out at night, and then you had to work in the morning, but you stayed out till three, and that was okay, you know? And you just hang out at the beach and talk. And, like, that's the first time I learned how to, like, Enjoy my life like relax. It's okay. It's all good. You know yeah. Like I think before there was a there was a structure And I didn't know that Chilling was part of it.
3: It's okay to chill.
4: It's okay to chill. It's great to chill And now chilling is part of my life like yeah. I just I love to just go sit and talk and and then and, and I say it every day I'm like I'm so blessed to just sit here and have coffee with you and then if I want later on I can meet you at a restaurant. Oh, my God, how fabulous. You know, like I still am awestruck by that. It's good stuff. You know.
3: You know, part of the, the beauty of being bicultural is the fact that we can pick and choose what we love about, you know, typical American culture or what we love about Latin culture. What have you discovered or rediscovered about your Latin side that you embrace now and hold dear?
4: Yes, I this is uh, I'm happy to answer this question. I love that part. I love that part of myself and I love that it's innate and that it's something that nothing could take away, you know? I'm going to cry. Yeah, that it's um that even though you don't know the culture or live in it, it's it's in your blood, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's it's a gift to connect that way, like you connect spiritually. So for me, that's like, that's me. Like that's my identity. It's not that I didn't get to have, you know, Puerto Rican day parade or whatever. It's that anytime I go there, if I want to go there, I'm immediately connected to it. You know what I mean? Or anytime I feel the weather that's like that in any tropical place, I'm like in heaven. And that's, it's so like, it's so beautiful it's 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 i and i carry that with me when when there are days that i am depressed or whatever like i think about what, do, what does my soul need right now and i'll go sit in the park and i'll just soak up the sun and the sun will do it you know what i mean because we're, we're tropical people so that'll connect me it's
3: in our dna mm-hmm. it really is and i sense when you tapped into it later in life but you realized it was there all along
4: yeah it was it's was mm-hmm. always there
3: well, if you ever need a fix, I'll be happy to send you a care package from Miami. Yeah, A little sun, some Puerto Rican pastries.
4: Yeah, nice. Yeah, that could yeah. work.
3: <laughs> that could work.
4: And now, it's what, it, what it's done too. It's made me appreciate all Latin, um, um, all Latin cultures. You know, I have friends who are Colombian and Dominican Republic, and from the Dominican Republic, and. I mean, I go to my friend's house, and I'm like, "Where are the arepas?" Her mom makes arepas every time she comes to me. Makes like twenty of them. She puts them in the fridge, and I just pull one out and pop it in, you know, the oven. And and it's just made me love, the the. The the heat that each one, each country brings, you know, their own individual signature.
3: And that's also the beauty of, of 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 living here, in this moment in time, you know. Uh, this is the only country where, where you can be Latino, no? You're in Argentina, well, you're Argentinian. The moment in Argentina comes to the U.S., Latino. So w- we've become open to all of these other cultures that perhaps we wouldn't have had we stayed in our own home countries. And as you say, you develop an appreciation for an arepa or, you know, or a Cuban sandwich or, you know, mangu. Yeah, and it all be- becomes part of this new thing. That's very cool. Or the
4: different dances. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And you dance very well, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, you do. You do.
4: Mira quien baila. I want to be on that.
3: Mira quien baila. Give me the trophy now and all that. What up?
4: Can you hook it up? Uh, yeah, we can make a call. We can make a call. Yeah, I should be on that.
3: You know, you've, you've, you've done a lot in a very brief period of time. Um, what would you say you're 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 the proudest of? And let's make that a two-part question, professionally and then personally.
4: I'm proudest of where I am today as a woman. What I have taught myself, you know, through awareness and through forgiveness and through love, you know, and, 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 and my journey. So that's personal. And I would even say professionally. And I'll say that there's not a specific job that I'm like, I'm the most proud of. I'm proud professionally that I can show up the way that I'm living personally. Meaning when I show up for work or when I show up for an audition, I'm connected. You know what I mean? Like that is to me, that's a proud thing for me to, to say I've accomplished because I know myself better. And I'm only going to get to know myself even more, but I feel like really strong, I'm really in a strong place today, so I can take on any job, you know what I mean? I'm not intimidated anymore, like I want to be in front of the best because I have the best to give, you know, and I don't doubt that, it's like, give it to me, put me with Meryl Streep and I'll act with her, you know what I mean? The best that I can and I won't shy away from it and I won't be scared of it.
1: It's beautiful.
3: You know, I mentioned earlier <clears throat> that it's obvious that the stars have aligned uh, for you in so many different ways. And I can't help but think that even with regard to the, the moment in time where you've come of age, you know, had 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 you been 20 years older, uh, the entertainment business wasn't ready for you. Right. You know, but you, you nailed it. You know, you're young and talented and beautiful and Latina and at the right moment in history.
4: Yeah, in history. Isn't that cool? It's
3: so damn cool. But with it, there's also a sense of responsibility, you No, know? Talk to me about that.
4: I feel like I can't wait to see what my responsibility is. You know, I it's another thing that I can't figure out, but I know that there's a platform for me to be inspirational and to really to really help people. You know, I that's all I want to be able to do. I don't know how, I don't know when, but it's it's supposed to happen. And 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 yeah, I I'll, I'll take when that time is, I'll take it on, you know, just as eagerly, earnestly as everything else. But I think that right now I get to be inspirational for people who are closest to me and anytime that I don't know someone and they reach out to me you know via Facebook or whatever and they they say thank you like that I don't take that for granted at all you know I love to share my story and and I love to talk about I to, I love to talk to children and I do this on occasion with the LAPD I go and I talk to their girls their boot camp kids and my favorite 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 topic is self-love. And like, how can we raise ourselves and how can we take care of ourselves because we can't even count on our parents to do it for us? So how can we exist in the communities that we are where we can't leave right now and be, be the inspiration, turn the tables around and be who everybody looks up to, you know? And I talk to them about that, starting with their relationship with their parents. You know, a lot of them have broken homes and, and their parents are not nice, and they're neglectful, and and I wouldn't know, could not even imagine the terrible t- stories of of parents telling their kids that they were never wanted to have them, or you know, won't talk to them about personal issues, and and that's common in in most homes. And the only way that I could explain it to them is I know what it feels like because I felt neglected too in the home, and and all I can say is you love like the only thing that will solve it is love and and you start with yourself and when you start with yourself and you start giving it to your mother even when she doesn't want to give it to you how does that make you feel Do you know what i mean like it makes you feel powerful to say you know what mom i'm gonna figure it out myself i don't know it's a, it's, it's not an f you it's it's an empowering place and and when i speak to them about this it's like their eyes just light up and I think about, like, what are ways that you could even connect with your mom? Like, could you write her a letter that you love her? Can you, you know, do her hair? Or, or when the next time she yells at you, just go do the dishes. Like, what's the problem, you know? We talk about, like, how to exist in the circumstances and be bigger and keep striving for more. And I think that if I'm ever going to do anything, like, on a national or global scale, that it would that would be my my conversation is that, you know, how do we become better people for ourselves so that we can help our community and people around us?
3: A lot of kids need that message.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not outside, Mm -hmm. but you get to benefit. You get to enjoy what's outside when you are really connected with what's going on inside. And this is just a journey for me. I have not figured it out. That's why I think it makes me a good teacher is because I'm also a student.
3: You know. Did you come to that realization on your own when you were a young girl, or was that something you learned later in life?
4: That's been a process. I wasn't. That was not my approach as a teenager. That's for sure. I was rebellious and I was angry and I was miserable. And that I mean that happened later. later. As I kept going, I was like, there's no one to be upset at. Nobody's doing anything to me because I'm doing it all to myself. I'm the one who's suffering at the end of the day. I'm the one who's under the covers who can't move, you know, depressed. And and, and I have to lift myself up. And, 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 and I have to know how to do that so I can help people do that. You know, people who have maybe gone through the same things that I have. And I didn't know how relatable I was until I started speaking to these girls. You know, it might not be the same situation, but you know, we only have so many emotions and they're all the same. So it doesn't matter exactly what happened to you. The fact that we're both feeling the same thing is what matters. Mm. So, you know, I was sexually abused as a kid. I was um, very angry and I kept the secret for many years. So I understand what it's like to feel Isolated and, and 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 like the you know like the world is against you and 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 I, I know what it feels like to be rebellious and to be angry and to be bitter. I know all those things. I could talk about those things.
3: You're in a happy place now. Yeah.
4: Yep. A very happy place. And I have no husband. <laughs> love a husband. Would love. I can't wait to have a family.
3: You, you, you know that once it's here, is you're going to get your share of mail and email and People wanting to apply for that gig.
4: Yeah, well fine. I'll take it application.
3: That line's gonna wrap around the block <laughs> You you shared something so 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 valuable uh, uh, So many valuable things one that hasn't been shared in the project and we've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people was your experience on uh, on Earl on feeling out of place and on feeling inadequate and on trying to compensate for that by doing stuff that you shouldn't have, by deviating from what made you special, which is being yourself. And uh, I don't think you need to land a role on a network TV show in order to feel that. I think most of the people that that will watch this uh, have felt it in one form or another, whether they were the first in their family to attend college and you know their roommate is the fourth generation graduate of that school right uh, or or whatever you know it's a universal experience and a very powerful one and to see that someone you know like yourself live through it uh, in a very public way um, i think is very very valuable mm, thanks yeah, very beautiful yeah thank you you're extremely generous thanks extremely open extremely real and and, and beautiful and i can't thank you enough
4: i thank you I'm happy to share.
3: Thank you. Nadine, I believe, deserves all the credit in the world for defying the odds to become the woman she dreamt of as a young girl, an eventual reality for which her sheltered, overprotected childhood left her rather ill-prepared. For example, Nadine's comment about feeling like she didn't belong on the set of My Name is Earl is one that many of us can relate to. It's a universal experience for those of us who were either born abroad or raised by immigrant parents. In fact, I felt a tinge of that during much of my early professional life. While working at CBS and ESPN, I often felt like a fish out of water. And it took years to realize that this unique background of mine, which at times seemed sort of out of step with most, was in fact my superpower. My immigrant experience, coupled with a firm understanding of my native language culture, and traditions gifted me some pretty remarkable tools. That aspect of my life experience has taught me to be resilient, empathetic, optimistic, and value family, friendships, and culture above everything else. So while many of us may be ignorant to the joys of cinnamon toast and the madness of Charlie Sheen, we're aptly compensated in much more meaningful ways, often with the skill sets and life lessons that allow us to defy the odds and achieve our dreams. The Immigrant Archive Project is edited and produced by Edie Gonzalez. Our Director of Photography is Daniel Godoy. For more stories, please visit us online at immigrantarchiveproject.org. I'm Tony Hernandez. Thank you for listening.